I'm Kareen, and you're listening to Eat Like an Artist, the podcast that celebrates creatives, mindful entrepreneurship, and mental wellness. Each week, we dive into practical business advice and deep conversations among creative friends and role models, speaking openly and inclusively about life as an artist. We don't believe in gatekeeping because everyone's welcome. This is your community too. Let's find the balance within creative entrepreneurship with all the love for the art and none of the burnout and self-doubt. Hello and welcome to the 33rd episode of Eat Like an Artist. We were going to actually have an episode specifically on sale strategy and just sales in general. However, before we jump right into that, I realized it may be better for us to sit down and talk about the ever-present uneasiness that comes with sales, especially within the creative community. And if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling uneasy about sales, don't worry, that's super common among creative entrepreneurs where our primary focus often lies in our craft versus the business side, especially the stuff that has to do with money and basically asking people, hey, here is this skill and this product, this thing that I have to show the world and I'm expecting something in return. And it makes sense to be uneasy about that. I think money talk in general, we've been told and taught all our lives, even outside of the creative business world, that it's not something to talk about. We don't ask questions about people's salaries. We don't ask questions about how people invest in their own things. And I think it's this aversion from just general money talk that has kept us from being comfortable with it. You know, it's something that's unfamiliar. And also, unfortunately, all of us may have had some shared experiences where we have experienced a sleazy sales tactic. I mean, have you walked into a store just wanting to window shop and you are approached by somebody that works there and they are essentially following you and asking you so many questions to the point that when you're trying to make the body language that you want to leave, they keep being like, no, 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 like, just stay like we got so much more stuff and you feel like you're kind of pushed and pressured to make a decision. So I think that's really where that uneasiness is. I think we associate sales with this notion of being pushy. It's something that's dishonest. It's solely profit driven. It prioritizes money over people. And I don't think, you know, if we're in a workspace in a industry that is so heart-centered it's really hard to get in that mindset of being so profit-driven however I do want to take this time and this episode and our ability to talk and think about how we can get past that aversion but before we can really get past that aversion we got to think about why it exists in the first place And we've already spoken a little bit about that. I mean, you hear the term sleazy salesman all the time. I think we think about a car salesman that's trying to sell you a brand new car. But really, it's kind of a car that's really messed up and doesn't really work very well. And they're selling it for a price that is way more than what it needs to be. And you feel, from the buyer's perspective, you feel incredibly coerced to make a quick decision which ends up being a bit of an uninformed decision and so when you make that purchase decision and you actually get the thing that you bought 
you don't leave feeling great. And I think it's that notion of the pushiness and the dishonesty that we associate with sales that transfers over when we're trying to be creative business owners ourselves and we're trying to essentially you know make a profit i mean many businesses they they are businesses because they are trying to make a profit that way they can continue the business that they do but i don't think that necessarily means that all businesses are pushy and dishonest yeah i mean sure we have all like i said have had similar experiences but if you really think about it there's probably plenty more good experiences and transactions and sales that you've made with other businesses that have been great i mean think about the times that you have been to a farmer's market and you're going up to a small business a small local business getting to know the person that's behind the product or service that they are providing and you feel incredibly connected to them and you feel incredibly happy to give your money or swipe your card because you see that as a time to support the other person and so i think it's really important to remember that while we have these negative stereotypes in our head that comes with sales its goal is to generalize things to make it as a way to help our brains process a situation and you know sometimes the human brain is not the most trustworthy i think we know that on so many different levels but we need to look twice at least maybe a couple more times than twice at the negative stereotypes that we have and also too when it comes to sale there are two sides of it you know there's the seller's perspective and the buyer's perspective i mean in your case you're maybe thinking from the seller's perspective because you're a creative entrepreneur or just a creative that is selling their work whether that is full-time part-time or as a hobby but we also need to remember that we ourselves are also buyers whether that is of other art pieces or other things that we need in our life so we are constantly surrounded by sales and i think the negative experiences that we've had with it are just so prominent there's actually a phenomenon of negativity bias that our brains tend to really focus and have a better time remembering the negative. And so that's why we kind of get an aversion when it comes towards sales, whether we are the seller or the buyer. Now, on the seller's perspective, some ways that we may be experiencing an aversion towards sale could even be from fear of rejection. I mean, oh my gosh, like <laughs> it is it is a lot to have to put yourself out there. And it is even a bigger obstacle when you are a creative business owner who puts their heart and soul into the work that they do I'm not saying that no one else does it but there's a different there's a different level there's a different way that hearts and souls are placed into artistic work and so when you have that concern of not making the sale or being turned down by potential customers sometimes we don't want to end up even going to the process as a sales process because we're just so scared of that potential. And that could lead us to really just being anxious about the whole process and trying to avoid it altogether. Despite, you know, if you're somebody that considers yourself a creative entrepreneur, a lot of what you do in business is fueled by sales. 
I mean, the sales are the fuel to the car, which is your business, your way to move forward without those funds, without the money to buy new equipment if something breaks or being able to travel over to another client or just buying materials to make the art itself. Without that fuel, you're not going to go anywhere. And so we get stuck in that fear of rejection. And it doesn't have to be just in this concept of sales. Like think about other times that you have had a lack of action, some inaction, because you were afraid of something. Maybe you didn't apply for a grant because you thought, oh, well, you know, what's the point of me doing that? Because I'm not going to get it. Or even if you were going out and wanting to make some friends somewhere, maybe you wanted to go over to somebody and talk to them, but you immediately thought, oh, they're not going to like me. Well, both scenarios, because you never actually took that shot, then yeah, you miss it out. It, it didn't happen. But I think there is a beauty and a greatness when it comes to actually trying it out. And so if you're kind of in this realm of the fear of rejection, let me let you know and I'll be straight up about it and I'll be honest with you. It's going to happen. Sometimes you don't make the sale. Sometimes you get turned down by clients. And that's okay because at the end of the day, there are always way more people who are going to be there to support you who can be potential customers than that one or 10 or first 100 people that rejected you. And if you need that reminder every now and then, I mean, think about the people that you know in your life that are doing great in their creative business or people that you have connected with through social media and other means. You know, you may be seeing them for the highlight reel that they have that they're like booking all these clients and they're doing all these things. But really, you're not seeing all of the no's that they've had. And trust me, a good, good bit of that journey is the nose if I had a pie graph it would be a pretty big portion of that pie so that's the reality that's the reality of business in any field you know sometimes you just don't make the sale and rather than us getting bogged down in it and feeding into this aversion towards sales and keeping ourselves from fueling what makes us incredibly happy let's not put mental energy towards the people that turned us down you know they're just not the person they're just not the ideal client to work with and that's okay aversion to sales can also be with the over emphasis of winning because you know as we were talking about we tend to look at other people and tend to compare ourselves so we could be viewing sales as competition and that can create an unbalanced focus on winning over actually getting to know the people that we're working with. I think this is a part that can get a bit into that dangerous side where the stereotype of being pushy, dishonest, and solely profit-driven can actually become true. It's one thing if you get a sales objection like, oh, the service or product that you're offering, it's too expensive. It's one thing if you get the sales objection uh, that it's too expensive and you can take the route of doing some objection handling where you're thinking, okay, so they are right, maybe, you know, the product and service is expensive. You know, I try to agree with the clients that I have, like, yes, that's definitely the fact that it is. And as the person that is selling that product or service, it gives you a chance to better demonstrate that value, better show them that there is such a reward in investing in that 
product or service. But that's a sales objection. And sales objections are any concerns that a potential client raises in reference to something that's keeping them from buying from you, from making that decision. And that's when you are being called to sell. But if we're thinking about a situation where a seller or maybe you yourself, you have an overemphasis on winning, you have an overemphasis on just making the sale, it's very different when a sales objection could actually be just someone just straight up saying like, no, I don't want to do it. Let me give you an example. I had one of my first jobs at a diner and I was a host and we were doing a training where we were working during regular restaurant hours and the trainer that I had had seen somebody who was really mad because their waitress had not greeted them within like 15 minutes and they were really pissed off about it and you know we tried to alleviate the situation and they just ended up going out to their car because they were like no you know I'm not I'm not gonna do that and in my mind I was thinking okay you know we tried to handle the situation they definitely came to us so that you know they gave us a chance to try to remove that barrier that they're having but at the end of the day they were like mm, no it doesn't work so I was thinking okay let me respect their boundaries let me respect their final decision and that's good but my trainer was telling me, no, you need to go out to them, to the parking lot, to their car and try to convince them to come back. And I immediately said no, because it just it felt so invasive. It felt very unsolicited, like an unwanted interruption in their day. I mean, they had made it explicitly clear that it was not for them. They weren't going to dine there. And me as somebody that doesn't want to intrude and do something that feels insincere just so I can have one up on somebody else it didn't feel right for me to go and run over to them when they're trying to get into their car and just be incredibly invasive and intrusive and telling them to come back into the restaurant and so we don't want to do that we don't want to be you know chasing people into their cars if they said no it's a difference when you get something where somebody has a sales objection and maybe in another podcast episode if y'all want to talk about it more we can go more into sales objections and how to handle those we need to also differentiate the difference when someone is asking you to sell to them versus when someone has made the final decision and said no it's i'm not opting in this and that's fine because if we give into that overemphasis of winning and we you know overemphasize it so much that we don't meet the needs of the person that we are trying to provide a product or service to which means that we are basically sweeping the whole purpose of what we do which is solving somebody's problem or providing some value in their life and all we are concerned about is winning that sale then we get into that spot where we become that sleazy salesman and yes i know you're like crap maybe i might become that person let me let you know, the work we do as creatives is soul-centered, heart-centered, and oftentimes I have yet to find somebody that is a sleazy salesman. Maybe the only times that maybe sleazy salesman tactics come in is because that's what we know and we think that's what proper sales is in the industry, but you know, it comes from a lack of knowledge and that lack of knowledge makes us go back into some old business practices that are kind of out of date and maybe not 
really matching up with the mission and goals of what we creatives do, which is to connect us as humans. And that's the other thing when it comes to sales. Sometimes the way that we go through sales, especially if we try to do some old business tactics like cold calling, um, spam emails, just shoving business cards into other people's hands only for them to throw it away later. You know, if we're engaging in those things, it creates that lack of personal connection, which from the buyer's perspective, you want to have that connection, especially when art is constantly talked about as a way for us to connect to other people's experiences and emotions in a way to remind us that we are here together in this world you know things suck sometimes sometimes things are really great and we're experiencing it together and it gives us that good feeling and so if you're having like sales interactions that feel insincere and impersonal that's where people might end up moving to the purchase decision of just not purchasing at all. Because from the buyer's perspective, again, the aversion to sales is because we may end up having a lack of trust in the person that's trying to sell to us. You know, people are a lot smarter than we think. And I think we can really feel the vibe of the room a lot more than we say that we do. And so it's really easy to see whether or not a sales pitch is truly authentic and people are pretty quick to know if a product or service truly meets their needs and so there's a lack of trust that is done if you don't take the time to personally connect with other people if you overemphasize on witting if you dive into those negative stereotypes that we don't want to do as people who are in sales and trust me it took me a long time to even say that i'm a saleswoman i remember talking to my partner after i did a call with a client because we usually do discovery calls on video calls and apparently I was speaking loud enough that he could hear me and he was nudging at my shoulder and just being like you're a salesperson like you're really good at it because he himself also worked in sales for some time and I was like no stop like don't call me that because I was you know in my craft I was doing my thing as a photographer but I was so I was so weirded out by that term still but it took time you know it took time to understand why and we've talked about a couple of those and hopefully one of those things has resonated with you that you thought like oh shit like that might be me and for me the biggest thing was that I had a lot of anxiety about money there was a lot of nervousness surrounding you know price negotiation knowing how to price myself and just discussing financial matters within my business and even just my personal life. When you don't really grow up with a lot of conversations about money or even knowing how to negotiate salary at jobs or just even just having any knowledge when it comes to investing or any knowledge of money in general, it becomes weird to be on the side where you're having to sell because we're always thinking money is bad money is horrible money corrupts people money doesn't buy happiness money is this and money is that but something that really helped me a lot with getting comfortable with saying that I'm a salesperson was number one understanding that money is neutral the phrases I just said about money being evil money corrupting people money itself is not those things it's really the people and the way that they handle money that causes them to be those things. But truly, 
money just ends up being a tool to fuel what our needs and our wants are. And in this case, money is your gas tank. Money is your way to be able to continue the creative work that you do. And that's why we shouldn't steer away from it. Because in the long run, money is a neutral tool for your creativity. And this is something that took a lot of time to think about. I really had to drill that into my mind. I had to write that down in my journal of just further educating myself when it came to creative business, just reminding myself that money is a neutral tool for your creativity. I listened to so many podcasts of people that I admired and I realized, okay, yeah, I shouldn't be afraid of money. It's something that, yes, I recognize I lack knowledge in it, feel anxious about it, negotiations, like what even is that? So I learned that it's okay to talk about money. And through time too, I had to understand, okay, yeah, I didn't grow up and maybe you also didn't really grow up with open conversations about money, but it becomes a little bit easier when you decide, okay, maybe with my small group of friends or with my partner or with a friend or a family member, maybe we can start to practice that. And I think when you start getting into that practice of talking about money and sharing knowledge about investing and selling and anything that has to do with pricing or money, it becomes a little bit less scary. I mean, a lot of anxiety can be treated through exposure therapy. So why not expose ourselves to the things that we fear so that they're a little less scary? I mean, think about it when it came to horror movies. Most of the horror comes from not seeing that monster. But sometimes when you see that monster in the horror movies, you're kind of like, it's not that scary anymore. And I think that familiarity will help us move past the erosion that we have to sales and get a little bit more comfortable with it. And so one of the eight ways for you to get more comfortable with sales is to shift your mindset. Understand that sales is not just about transactions. It's not just about being solely profit-driven. It is not about just winning over somebody. But it's about sharing your passion with others who value it. And also you recognizing the value in your own work. You know, you're not just selling a product or service that exists only in the time that it is active. You're offering an experience or solving a problem that's going to help somebody in the long run. Your creativity, and you need to remind yourself this, meets a need and a desire in the market. And so having confidence in the value that you provide is a key to effective selling. What sales is is just showing the value that you provide. And I do truly mean like the value in your product and your work, not you yourself as a human being. We can talk about it a little bit another time, but there's also some weird mental exercises or jumping jacks or hula hoops or whatever we do whenever we connect our ability to succeed and to have productivity and connected to how good of a person we are. So we're not going to try to do that. Remember, just focus on the confidence and the value that you have in your product and your service. And you can be an effective seller. And number two, another thing about sales is not just showing the value that you believe in and to find the people who also value it as well, but it's to build and bridge that relationship between each other. So you want to engage with the people 
that are potential clients. You want to listen to what they need, their concerns, what they're worried about, what they're excited about, and respond genuinely. Because people are more likely to buy from somebody that they trust and they feel connected to because people buy because of emotions and people love to buy from people. This is why things like content marketing are constantly something that people suggest to add to your marketing strategy because of course you know sales can't really happen without marketing marketing isn't complete without sales and so with content marketing you know when you're sharing valuable content like blog posts videos maybe an audio like a podcast or maybe a book and you're sharing that information to an audience that opted in to receive it they are excited to hear about your expertise and you build trust because you're telling them stories you're engaging with the natural human interest and love for storytelling again that's why content marketing is something that people are constantly like telling other people like yo you gotta get on this because there's gonna be 10,000 artists or actually maybe a lot more there's a ton of different artists, a ton of different creative entrepreneurs in the world. And I think there is plenty of work in the market. And I think the main thing that is the struggle is that we just need to find our people. And I think the only way we can really find our people is to show ourselves, show our stories, show our work, tell the story behind the work and let people know how we do things because from one photographer to another photographer, we do different things. From one visual artist to another visual artist, musician to a musician, everyone has unique styles. And when you're able to share valuable content and be honest and be open and be transparent, you're going to be able to find your people. And those people will more likely buy from you because they want to feel connected to you. They want to support somebody that they trust and when you start to really focus on those relationships and build those relationships you can establish some more social proof so asking people for testimonials reviews and case studies where you could showcase that on your website on online social media on printouts you can provide people a very clear representation that hey i have worked with some really cool people before they think that what i'm doing is pretty cool and so it's a really powerful way for you to demonstrate that there is a value to your work and don't think that it's bragging at all i mean that's why we have things like google reviews and we have reviews on our pages or you know whenever i'm i'm wanting to try a new restaurant i mean the first thing i do is try to pull up yelp or try to pull up their google reviews see what other people are doing because you know people buy from people and people buy what other people like to buy and so if you can really use and leverage that social proof from the great relationships that you build that can lead you to even more relationships i mean think about times that you have heard one of your friends talking about some really cool person that they met you know they're giving a really great review of them and you're like oh my god like i want to go meet this person as well kind of the same process just you know business side and once you get number one, shifting your mindset and number two, focusing on relationships, really down pat into how you approach sales. I think that's when practicing permission-based sales, our number three on this list, can really help with getting comfortable with sales. Now, if you've never heard of this term, it's okay. It's something that is new and it's also something that I've had to learn too. 
And I think after learning this, it's helped me feel a lot more ease that, yeah, okay, cool. I'm not like some weird, pushy person that's just going to poke their head into somebody's car and say, hey, buy my thing. So permission-based sales, it's a sales approach that emphasizes obtaining explicit consent or permission from potential clients before engaging in sales and marketing activities. And this approach, the reason why it's really great and it's something to remind yourself to practice, but maybe you're already practicing it, you know, you're already building trust through this approach. You're able to respect your customer's preferences. If they make a no and they make it out a final decision, you're like, okay, great. Have a great day. Always here if you need me. And then that way too, with this approach of being permission-based, you can focus on the needs and interests of the individuals that are most likely going to be your ideal client. You're going to be able to spend more energy on people that really do like you and really can come to trust you rather than people who are just like, who the heck just came up to me and shoved a flyer in my hand? And so one of the ways that we can practice permission-based sales can actually be through our marketing. So there's a thing called opt-in marketing, and you have probably have experienced this, whether it is within your own business or just within your own personal life. So with permission-based sales approach, creative entrepreneurs can seek permission from leads to contact them or provide them with marketing materials. There's many people who have like contact forms on the website. And I think we get scared when we get a contact form because we're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like do like a whole sales process with them and have to tell them what my prices are. But what that is, they're, they're giving you explicit consent sent to provide them with information about your services they want to know more about you they went from being somebody that just knows about you to be like wow kind of like him i, I want to learn more about them and build that relationship with them other ways that you could obtain explicit consent through opt-in mechanisms are email sign-up forms subscription lists website pop-ups sometimes you'll see those when they're like hey um join our email lists and get 10% off if you're going on like a site where you're trying to buy things. Those are things where you opt in. You're able to also have the option as a consumer to opt out of it. And I think as as the seller on the seller side, as the creative business owners, we got to remember when people are doing the opting in, we're not annoying them. They aren't going to be like, oh my God, like why is this person messaging me? No, they opted in and they told you, hey, I want to learn more about you. Now, it may depend whether or not it will be finalized within a sale, but you know, it's one step closer to really finding and honing in those relationships with people and being able to build trust with them. And remembering that they're already providing a bit of trust in you because they opted in. The other great thing about practicing permission-based sales is that you respect people's privacy. I mean, we talked about those unsolicited or intrusive sales tactics like cold calling, spam emails, door-to-door sales. One of my least favorite things was just shoving business cards into other people's hands only for them to throw away later if you didn't even have any prior conversation with them. So with permission-based sales, it revolves around respecting the privacy of potential clients. And you only communicate with people who have expressed a genuine interest. Now, when it comes to shoving a business card into other people's hands, I know this is something that we do a lot when it comes to any networking event or just any event that we're around people that may be interested. 
but there'll be times that I'll be at those networking events and I've never spoken to that person and they'll just come up, say hi, give me the card and then leave. And immediately from a buyer's perspective, I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and most of the time, what they've given me too, I don't really need it. And so it showed me that they also didn't take the time to really communicate with me and see if I express genuine interest. And so I tell people all the time that whenever they wonder why I don't always bust out all my business cards all the time to every single person I meet, I only really give it to people that have told me explicitly, hey, yeah, I've been needing a photographer for XYZ. So it's a likelier chance that when I do give them my business card that they will continue that relationship with me versus just losing that business card and throwing it away or just, you know, forgetting about it entirely. Because at the end of the day, a business card is just a piece of paper. But what's going to make it way more impactful is if you connect that business card to your face and your story and your relationship with the person that you gave it to. Showing them that you are interested in getting to know them and work with them and vice versa. That's the great thing about permission-based sales. If you're worried about being incredibly intrusive, I mean, you don't have to do those unsolicited intrusive sales tactics. There's other ways to connect with people. And some of those ways can be through things like content marketing, connecting with people on social media. Hosting webinars and workshops are really great because when you invite participants who actively register and express interest, that's a permission-based approach. The attendees voluntarily join because they want to gain knowledge and insights about the product or service that you have. You can also have some more relevant communication with the people you can potentially be with through online surveys or feedback requests. I mean, feedback is always great for any business owner, but also too with surveys, because usually they're not mandatory. Like the people that do take the time to participate, like that's a permission-based way for you to gather insights about how you can improve your product or improve your services or just, you know, your future business processes in general and sometimes I think we think too much of those people that don't do the surveys or don't go to the webinars and workshops and we don't think enough about the people that do like those are your people those are the people that are telling you hey I'm here and I want to support you I see the value in you and I think we need more focus in that and really hone in that communication with them because what you're providing is relevant and important to them. And the other thing with permission-based sales, it also has compliances with regulations. So it aligns with various privacy and data protection regulations, such as the general data protection regulation in the European Union and the CAN-SPAM Act in the United States. So these regulations actually require businesses to obtain consent before sending commercial communications um, and offer opt-out requests. That's why you're able to subscribe and unsubscribe to things when it comes to like email marketing, um, even on my contact form, I have a box where it checks where people say, yeah, I want to receive emails from Corrine about her photography services. It's, you know, permission-based sales. It's a great approach. It's a great way to be feeling good when it comes to the sales process, but it's also complying with regulations, which that's good. We want to be able to comply with the regulations that are set. And once we get comfortable with permission-based sales, we can head to number four, which is developing a sales process. And so that is having a clear process on how you handle inquiries, follow-ups, transactions, and after-sales services. 
And this just makes the sales process just way more efficient and less daunting for you if you know what the steps by steps are. And I know, you know, if we're thinking from a buyer's perspective, if we don't know when our package that we had ordered like a product, if we don't know when it's coming in, it's kind of weird and feels daunting to not know that step. And so from the seller side and the buyer side, it's just really great to have a clear cut process. So for me, for example, I usually get many of my inquiries through social media because that's a primary place where I connect with people and some are by recommendations of past clients or friends. You know, there's many different ways, but most of it funnel through social media. And from there, and those inquiries will go to my website contact form. And with each of the inquiries that I have, I have like follow-up schedules if they're not responding in the inquiry replies i give people the option to do a discovery call with me through google meet like online video because it just helps to kind of talk with somebody especially if you're somebody that wants to talk through the process and want to ask some questions i mean i'm definitely a discovery call gal so that's why i thought you know i'm going to provide this as an optional thing for people but i think that helps people get comfortable with the process as well but it's not something that is required it's really more something that if you need it i'll provide it to you if you don't that's okay and that goes with hand in hand with you know understanding the people that you're talking with and understanding their needs and sometimes some people need follow-up so i have a follow-up schedule if someone hasn't responded to the initial inquiry email you know i just send them a kind hey like just wanted to check in like let me know how i can make this process easier it's totally okay if you're super busy right now because, you know, we are constantly in a world where we are just hit with so many things to do all at once. So just let me know how to make the process easy. You don't take non-response super personally. Sometimes, you know, emails get buried because people have lives outside of their inbox. I mean, there's times where I absolutely appreciate when someone does a follow-up. So I have that process in check too. When it comes to transactions, again, with the sales process, because it's something about building relationships, because it's something where I want to provide value and show value to people, make that process super easy. Online invoice, multiple ways for a payment method. And I don't tell people that they need to do a specific thing because I want to give them choice. I want to give them choice on that. And with the after sales service, once they actually provide the payment and go through with a deposit, I have it where we're doing a production guide where we figure out shoot schedule, we figure out location, we figure out props, we do set design, we do all those things so that on the day of the session, it is great, wonderful, have a great time, have a good time. This may sound like a lot of things that <laughs> have happened in my sales process and it's in this example, but really it took a lot of time to develop that. This number four with developing a sales process it takes time. It takes trial and error. I used to not do online video calls at all. But I feel that through the people that I worked with, as I became more aware of the ideal clients that I have, I understood that providing that opportunity to do a discovery call and just do a quick online meeting helps so much with building that relationship. And also, too, when it comes to video calls or, you know, email inquiry replies or follow-ups, you can have a script, you can have a template. You know, you don't want to sound robotic or awkward and be like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm talking about. And with how long I've been doing things and even with 
people that I know who have been doing it for forever, I mean, they live on the templates. So, you know, having that basic script to help you guide through the conversation, but with the flexibility to customize it to the person you're talking to, it makes you feel a lot more confident. And I think when you're more confident about the things that you're providing, you can communicate that value better to the people that you're with. And they'll be more likely to complete that sale and eventually be one of the people that helps you continue to do the work that you love to do and impacts the world so positively. And when it comes to the sales process, another huge thing to think about and to help you get comfortable with selling in general is number five, improving active listening. You know, you want to be able to listen to your customers' needs and respond to them. I know oftentimes when we're in really any conversation, if we're in the mindset of, I'm going to just think about what I'm going to say next, like, oh my God, I need to figure out what I'm going to say next. If we're thinking that in our minds over and over again, we're not thinking about how the other person is trying to communicate something over to us. And so maybe our response back might not even be relevant or helpful. And we don't want that because that doesn't build trust. That doesn't build genuine interest. It's not authentic. And so you want to be able to be an active listener, be present in the moment because you want to build trust with somebody when you're able to listen and genuinely respond to the needs that they're providing. And also too, it really helps tailoring your offer to what the client actually needs. For example, in another photography example, if you have somebody that is wanting to do multiple outfits for a photo shoot because they're doing a personal branding photo shoot and they want to rehaul of all of their images on their website you don't want to have them just do the really small package where they're basically only having like five minutes per outfit if you're truly listening to what they want and what they prioritize you can take that time during that discovery call and say hey i know it's like super important for you to have multiple looks for this photo shoot and i know you were looking at the one hour session for that however i do want you to know when it comes to the timeline it'll be a little bit tight and we may not get through every outfit or even like really be able to hone down the great poses and the great shots that you want and so i would suggest for us to upgrade to a bigger one that way we have more time it's a lot less stressful a lot less constrained when it comes to the schedule and when we can be more relaxed and we can have a really good time that can show more in the pictures because at the end of the day, you want those pictures to match your brand's vibe, which is being fun and quirky and vibrant. You know, you want to be able to hear, and this is me talking now to (laughs) y'all outside of the example, you want to be able to know how to help that person and to provide the thing that they truly do need. And there's many examples of doing things like that. And there's often times that I actually rehearse, you know, different things that people may say, but then they choose something that may not actually like fit them or some other way where they're thinking, ooh, like this will be plenty of time for me to do this or this will be not enough time, but I'm like, maybe actually let's go smaller, let's go bigger. If you're actually understanding how to tailor your service and products to them, it helps a lot. And the better way and the best way to get really good at that troubleshooting and that pivoting is to do number six, which is role play and feedback. And when you practice sales scenarios like the one I just did through role play with peers or mentors, that helps you gain confidence because it becomes a more familiar situation. It's kind of like a dress rehearsal to the actual call or 
meeting that you have with the person. And then also too, when it comes to the role play, you want to get feedback from the sessions. That way you can know how to better improve it. And that can be incredibly valuable in your sales process. And speaking of refining your sales process, number seven, you really should also take some time to invest in learning. Again, one of the things that I think creates an aversion for us when it comes to sales is the lack of knowledge and just an experience in it. I mean, I know when I was, you know, a little baby photographer, I was like, I don't even know where to start with sales or really what it is, you know. And that's because sales is a skill that can be learned and improved upon. So consider workshops and courses or maybe even coaching in sales and marketing. That way you can build that confidence and be way more effective when it comes to your sales process. And I actually want to challenge you to really participate in those workshops and training. So if they're asking for a volunteer to do a sales scenario, raise your hand and do it. It might be scary at first, but that's going to be really good for you to have that very hands-on experience because that could really provide you the practical tools and techniques to improve your permission-based sales approach. And number eight is embracing the fact that you might make mistakes. That could be either in how you communicate the value of your product. That could be in maybe implementing a approach that doesn't feel authentic to you. I mean, for me, I've found myself at times moving into doing some cold calling and not really feeling too great about it. But that's also because how I wanted to structure my business was through that permission-based sales approach, which not saying that cold calling is not a good strategy. It definitely can be. But if there is that itching feeling in your inside you that's like telling you that doesn't feel right there's probably a reason why that's happening it's okay if you make mistakes it's okay if you have to pivot it's okay if there's things that you do and you're like wow i feel kind of bad about it all we can really do is improve because when it comes to getting comfortable with sales we won't know what is comfortable without understanding that discomfort and i say understanding not just experiencing that discomfort because experience it but if you don't really hone into the why what when where of why you're feeling this discomfort we're not going to be able to move past that and get into that area where we feel comfortable with sales and we're going to end this episode with that reminder that you're not going to have it perfect the first time you can always improve and enjoy that process too we were talking about the sales process a lot and just the process of getting comfortable with sales And I want y'all to, while it's really cool to look forward to getting comfortable with sales and wanting to be there immediately, I want you to enjoy that process. Understand that there's going to be challenges along the way, but there's also going to be some really empowering experiences that make you more and more confident. It is an ongoing process to get comfortable with sales. And trust me, I am still in so many spots where I am not feeling incredibly 100% with it and there are so many people who have been in the creative industry way longer than me who feel the same way you know no journey is linear and this one is definitely not an exception but of course because journeys and changing the mindset and just changing the ways is really hard and rough to do by yourself remember too that i am totally here to support you you can always email or dm me if you have questions we're also gonna have show notes that have resources and further reading for you and that is for 
any and all episodes that we have and we're constantly updating those show notes as well to make sure that they're up to date and if we find more resources that are going to help you with that particular topic of that episode we want to be able to provide that support to you also too if you are having way more questions about sales because i think this is the first sales focused episode if you are wanting us to get someone who's an experienced salesman onto or saleswoman or salesperson onto the podcast to talk more about sales objections for example or just anything sales related and strategy let us know send us a dm send us an email about it we want to support you and in your journey so let us know what you need and we got you that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed it rate this podcast five stars and check out the link in the description to view the show notes everything in this episode is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace finance tax law mental health and other professional services as always we are here to support you because we don't believe in gatekeeping and we want all of our listeners to become thriving creatives We'll continue the conversation about mindful, creative entrepreneurship in next week's episode. Until then, stay inspired, keep creating, and eat some good food. This podcast was edited by Alexis Carasquillo from Familia Creative Media.